If you have your Bible with you today, will you turn over to the 24th chapter of Joshua? Here in this chapter, Joshua spoke to the people of Israel one last time before his death. He had one last chance to share with God's people what he believed was really important. And this morning, I want to share with you what I believe is really important. Look look what Joshua said, Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathered worship beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, let's pray. Dear, dear Father, I thank you so very much for the challenge here of Joshua. And God, I pray that you again present a challenge through me today. And God, open our hearts and our minds to the message that you have for us through your word today. Be with us now. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. In this Joshua's farewell message, he challenged the Israelites to be faithful to God and to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And nothing was more important than that. In in the same way, I want to challenge you just as Joshua did Israel to be faithful to God and to do what the Lord wants you to do. And again, nothing should be more important than that. When I came to Paxton some nine years ago, I, I shared with you on Mother's Day 2013 Ten core scripture beliefs that have guided my life and my ministry. And today I want to remind you of those ten core beliefs in hopes that you will strive to live out these beliefs after I leave. As I've had opportunity this week to review these beliefs, I realize that I have not lived them out perfectly before you. Far from it. I am in perfect as each of you are imperfect. But we always want to strive to accomplish His perfect will in our lives and ministry. That day at Shechem, as Joshua shared with the people, he told them exactly where he stood. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The question that day was, would the people stand with him? And that is the question today. I mean, where will you stand? Will, will you continue to stand with me? More importantly, will you continue to stand with God? For it is my hope that these ten core scriptural beliefs will always be the foundation of this congregation as well as the foundation of my life and, and your life. But belief number one, the Bible is the inspired word of God and as such should be used as the guidebook for our churches, our homes, and our personal lives. I have told you many times that I believe the Bible is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, from the title pages to maps. As it says in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book then, though it was written by men, came directly from the hand and heart of God. Therefore, we cannot treat the Bible as just an ordinary book. It is God's book. It contains God's plan, his plan for our lives, his plan for our homes, and his plan for our churches. And so how do we know what God wants? I mean, we go to the Word. For the Word of God reveals the will of God. It doesn't matter what direction society may be going. It doesn't matter what people may be thinking. What matters is what the Bible teaches, for that is the inspired Word of God, and it is the truth for all generations. Therefore, it should be the guidebook for our churches, our homes, and our personal lives. Belief number two, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and He and He alone is our only hope of salvation. Jesus was once asked by His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they told Him, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah, and still others think you may be Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter was the first to speak up. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is what I believe And I know it's what you believe also. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came into our world miraculously born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He taught a perfect gospel. He died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And he rose again. Victorious over sin and death. And Peter says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Only Jesus, the one and only Son of God, saves. He is our only hope of salvation. Which brings us to belief number three, and that is salvation is a gift of God's grace that we receive through faith in Christ, which is expressed in belief, repentance, confession, baptism, and Christian living. I often compare salvation to a gift because the Bible makes that comparison. It is pictured as an undeserved gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What we deserve because of sin in our lives is to be eternally separated from God. But through Jesus, God made it possible for everyone to have the gift of salvation. Again, it is God's gift of grace, and it is totally undeserved. And yet he is ready to give it to anyone who places their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. 
In Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, the people were listening to Peter's message. And they were moved by that message, so moved that they interrupted the message. They interrupted the sermon and asked what they needed to do. And in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, look at what he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A study of the book of Acts, really a study of the whole Bible, reveals five basic steps in making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. You have to believe in Jesus as God's Son. You need to repent and turn away from your sin. You need to confess your faith before people. You need to be baptized, to be immersed into Christ, and you need to live for Him. Now, our faith in Jesus simply needs to be shown. As the book of James clearly teaches, faith without works is dead. Faith without an expression of faith. If we believe in Jesus, we need to show it in the decisions that we make. But let me be clear. That does not mean that we can ever earn our salvation or that we can ever deserve to be saved. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 make that perfectly clear. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is a gift of God's grace that we receive through faith in Jesus. A faith that is expressed in belief and repentance, confession, baptism, and Christian living. Belief number four. The church is to grow both inwardly in our personal relationship with Christ, His Word, and His people, and outwardly into the community. You mix yeast into bread dough, and you expect that dough to rise. You plant seed in a ground, and you expect the seed to grow. In the same way, the Lord expects, expects His church to grow. According to Jesus in Matthew 13, 33, God's kingdom, the church, is to grow inwardly like yeast in dough. Look at what it says. He told them still another parable. The, the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and, and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. See, the church is to grow from the inside out as each of us grow. When we each grow in our relationship with Christ, His Word and His people, the church will grow. Jesus also says that the church needs to grow outwardly. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. And so as Christians, we should never be content if we're not growing And we should never be content if the church isn't growing because the Lord wants 
his church to grow, to grow inwardly and outwardly. Belief number five. The primary focus of the church must be upon the great commandment and the great commission. Jesus was once asked what was the greatest commandment of all the hundreds of commandments in the Bible, which one was the greatest? And Jesus replied in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. People, our primary focus as believers must be on loving God with all that we have and loving our neighbors. Loving God and loving people. And our most important ministry is sharing the good news of the gospel with others. Jesus commanded us in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The message of Jesus is too great for us to keep to ourselves. And so we are commanded to go, we're commanded to make disciples, baptizing them, and then teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded them and us to do. I mean, nothing should be more important than this. That's why our primary focus must be upon the great commandment to love God and to love others, and the great commission to go and make disciples. That's why it is the vision of the past in Church of Christ to be a connecting place, to be disciples of Jesus who lovingly connect others with Him. Belief number six. All Christians are ministers of Christ, and as such, all Christians should serve Him. The New Testament teaches the priesthood of all believers. Therefore, all of us as Christians are ministers of God. Not not just those who serve as ministers. The Apostle Peter wrote, 1 Peter 2, verse number 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We are God's people. We are all His priests. We are all His ministers And we are all to serve Him. Christianity was never intended, people, to be a spectator sport. The Lord doesn't want us sitting. He wants us serving. He doesn't want us watching. He wants us working. For we, as each a member of the body of Christ, and as part of that body, We have a job to do for Him, just as every part of the human body has a job to do for the good of the whole body. And the church is at its best when all Christians are serving as ministers of Christ. Belief number seven goes right along with that, and that is that every Christian is gifted by the Holy Spirit with unique gifts and abilities to use in the furtherance of God's kingdom. 
When we become Christians and are baptized, we not only receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit, we also receive gifts from the Holy Spirit. See, not only does the Lord give us a job to do as part of the body, He gives us the special gifts and ability to get that job done. God created the ear to hear, the eyes to see, the nose to smell, the feet to walk upon, and He created each of us in Christ with special gifts needed to do a job. 1 Peter 4, verse number 10 says, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. People, we need each other. And we need each other serving. Using the special gifts that we each have that God has given us to serve one another. For again, the church works best when each part does its part. When all Christians use their God-given gifts and abilities To further his kingdom. Belief number eight. The church must be united. You may not realize it, but Jesus prayed for us the night before he was crucified. He prayed for those who would again believe through the testimony of the apostles. And the one thing he prayed for is that we would be one. Just as he and the Father were one. The Lord knew His disciples would be most effective in their work if they would be united. That's why the New Testament calls us repeatedly to unity. Just listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verses 2-6. through Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now let's do a little experiment. On on the count of three, I want everyone to shout where you were born. Ready? One, two, three. St. Louis! Now let's count. Again, on the count of three, I want you to shout your favorite worship song or hymn. (laughs) Now, let's on the count of three all shout the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Man, it sounds good when we all say the same thing. (laughs) Oh, there are so many things that divide us. We are of different generations. We have different likes and dislikes. We may prefer different worship styles. But the one thing that should unite us is Jesus. And the one thing that must unite us is Jesus. For above everything else, Christians must be united. Belief number nine. Satan is a real enemy who will continue to oppose God's work and his people. Though unseen, there is a spiritual battle going on around us. Paul wrote about that battle in Ephesians 6, 12. He said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We as Christians are in a spiritual 
war. As a matter of fact, what Paul describes here is hand-to-hand combat. And our enemy is Satan and all of his evil demonic forces. And they will do everything that they can to oppose the work of God in our lives and in our churches. People, we are facing a powerful army whose goal is to feed Christ's church. When we believe in Christ, satanic forces become our enemy. And they will try to do everything they can to turn us away from God and back into sin. Although believers are assured of victory, we're going to engage in a spiritual battle until Jesus returns. Because Satan will continually battle against all who are on the Lord's side. And we as believers need God's supernatural power to defeat Satan. And God has given us that supernatural power in the Holy Spirit that lives within us. But Satan will continue the battle. He will remain always our spiritual enemy. And finally, that brings us to belief number 10. There is life-changing power in prayer. James 5.16 just says it simply, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. The most powerful resource that we have as Christians is communication with God through prayer. Prayer can bring healing to us when we're sick. It can bring forgiveness to us when we've sinned. It can bring answers when we've got questions. It can bring wisdom when we're struggling. Prayer is a mighty weapon in our spiritual warfare against Satan. But unfortunately... Many of us don't use prayer as effectively as we should. We often use it as a last resort when it should be the first resort. God's power is infinitely greater than ours. And so it only makes sense to rely upon it fully. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20, which says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. People, there is life-changing power in prayer. Those are the principles that I have tried to live by, I've tried to minister by, even imperfectly. Let Let me share some practical applications as we close. Three things I think we need to do as a result of this morning's message. Number one, review those core scriptural beliefs in today's message. Decide today, as Israel had to decide that day at Shechem, whether you'll be faithful to God and His Word. I mean, it really comes down to that. We've got to decide. Number two, remember it's one thing to say that you believe. It's another thing to live out your beliefs. And so again, my challenge today is for each of us to make a commitment to live according to these these core scriptural beliefs. And then last of all, ask God to help you each step of the way. Ask Him to keep you faithful in your daily walk to Him. It's really a daily struggle. It's daily battle. (laughs) 
Let's stay true to him. And let's stay true to his word. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you again for this opportunity to share here these basic beliefs. And God, I thank you for the years that I've spent together with the folk here in Paxton. And again, I pray a blessing upon them in their continuing ministry and life. And God, I pray the same thing for Christy and I. That you'll just be with us. God, I thank you so very much for the blessings that you've brought us. And God, I pray for continual blessing upon this congregation and continual blessing upon us. Be with us now. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I do want to thank you all for listening here on the radio. It's been my privilege to share with you over the past several years here on Sunday morning. Uh, This is going to be my my last message here at uh, Paxton. Uh, We're going to be retiring uh, this week, and so uh, moving on to other areas of ministry. But again, I I want to thank you, and again, I want you always to know that you're always welcome to share at the Paxton Church of Christ on Sunday morning. We're going to have preaching here next Sunday. We're just not going to be on the radio next week. And so that'll wait until we have a new minister here. Uh, at the church. But again, as always, we uh, again want to pray God's blessing upon your life, and and we pray that, uh, again, you know Jesus is Lord and Savior. Have a great week.